oh, maybe we should do that because it makes for a better interview because the person's prepared. Right. Without it being contrived, I think Jeff doesn't like it when it's, um, he wants everything to be, like our program director told us that we should tape our interviews, take out all the burps and whatever, and just, you know, right. make it perfect because that's what people want to hear. But he's like, no. Like when I listen to the Howard Stern show, I want to hear people think and take a moment and have there be something awkward and maybe they shouldn't have said that they say. Yeah. That's radio. That's like, that's live. This is Van Collar. My name is Mo Amir, and today on This is Van Collar, I'm joined by an iconic Vancouver media personality, a radio and TV host whose career spans CTV News, City TV, and of course, the world-famous Seafox 99.3 FM, where you can catch her weekday and Saturday mornings as the much-needed feminine grounding of the long-running Jeff O'Neill Show. A multiple-time Georgia Strait Awards winner, she's been named one of Vancouver's most beautiful people by both the province and TV Week magazine. A beautiful soul, inside and out, I'm awestruck, starstruck, Maybe even lovestruck. I'm just trying to keep my wits about me in Aww. her presence. She is here, the queen, Karen Kay. Karen, how are you? You are going to make me cry. I'm like, okay, who's he bringing in? Because I can't <laughs> wait to see this person. Thank you, Mo. Thank you for having me. I, You know what? When you first reached out, I was like, I love his passion so much. I love this project so much. So I'm honored to be here. Thank I, you. I love that when I reached out, it was basically the equivalent of a cat call on Instagram where I was like, hey, Karen. <laughs> I was just glad it wasn't something creepy. So I was like, this is good. I will totally, I will answer this DM in a second. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you being here. I have to admit, this is surreal for me. Oh. Because, you know, I've had some cool guests on the show, but none whose voice I've listened to for years without actually meeting them in person, as, as is the case with you. You know, when I was at SFU driving my little Honda Civic, I used to listen to you basically every day. Which is crazy. Like for four years and probably a lot longer than that since I was listening to you after SFU as well, you were a staple in the background of my life. So so I'm trying to be cool. Oh my gosh. But I'm really humbled cool. and really you. grateful. I can't even believe that. You know what? I guess I sometimes, what I loved about radio, what I fell in love with radio, it was just the fact that you felt like you were part of that room. You know, you're yeah. in your car, you're in your bedroom, you're listening to this morning show or this afternoon show or whatever show, and, and you feel like you know the person that's on the air. You, there's this connection because they're in your home. Yeah. They're, they're in your personal space. They're all up in your mind. So I feel like I that's why I love radio. So the mm -hmm. fact that you say that to me that I've actually had that impact, that blows my mind. So thank you. And they're and they're part of your daily ritual. Like they're yeah. part of your commute. And when you wake up in the morning and you grab your coffee and then you get in the car or, yep. or you get on the bus or whatever, and it's you know, they're they're a part of your day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess they totally are. They're a part of everything that you do and like a good part and bad part. Because when you hate what they're saying, you're like, I'm done with this. I'm on to the next. <laughs> or when you like it, you're you're all over it. So Yeah, absolutely. Do you do you get that a lot? Do you get people just like coming up to you saying, hey, I've listened to your voice, which sounds super <laughs> creepy, but I've listened to your voice like almost religiously for years. And again, that makes sense. But it must be kind of weird because whether you're on radio or TV, you're not really in front of 
your audience, but yeah. you're such, as we just said, you're part of, you know, their, their ritual or yeah. part of their daily life. Well, so. you know, being on Fox because it's such an iconic station, I grew up listening to it. I, mm-hmm. I was obsessed with it. I grew up listening to Larry and Willie and I, I mean, I, I love Fox. So being a part of that station, I, I feel honored really like, mm-hmm. and when people say that, I still am like, are you sure? Like, that's so nice. Cause it's just, I'm always totally and deeply humbled, but you know, we've, we've been with listeners through getting married, getting divorced, having babies, going through sickness, so many different things that we get letters about or phone calls about. Right. So, um, you just, you just feel like you are entrenched in everyone's life. Like you, you feel like a part of people's lives, totally. which is cool because I mean, the, the reason that I wanted to get, I think into radio in the beginning was that community, like being able to reach out and like someone phones up with their issue or problem and and you actually get to speak with them and be mm. a part of the community in that way. That to me is like the most meaningful thing in radio. Yeah. Well, and on that note, I mean, with regards to you and me, I remember distinctly being in SFU, having dating problems, which is like the petty drama that any like 20 year old would be going through. And writing you for advice. And I remember thinking like, oh, Karen Kay would know what to do in this situation. (laughs) And you actually responded, which was so cool. Like you wrote me an email back. It was was very uh, insightful response. I I remember it being long. It wasn't just like a one sentence thing. Um, (laughs) You're you're like, this is a bit much. (laughs) Did it help? I need to know. Did it help? Uh, I can't remember the exact problem. And it's, it's probably something I still have, which is like, where is this dating thing going? Is she yeah. into me? Am I into her? What's like it's just general uncertainty yeah. uh, of life and, and relationships. <laughs> so the theme has continued, but I think um I I if I recall correctly, I believe you just said, you know, you just have to be honest and genuine and you know, r- simple but yeah. effective advice. So uh, I don't know if it worked, but I think it was still the right thing that I needed to. Oh, I to feel honored that in. you would reach out to me. And I'm so glad. Yeah, that's cool. Like, that it wasn't just like a one word or like. Yeah, dumper. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> On to the next. Yeah. <laughs> do you find that, I mean, as much as you enjoy it, do you find that that becomes in obligation with your listeners? like um, Not really. Well, I feel like it's great when you have people that you work with and especially when it's more of a, it's a fun show. Yeah. So if I am really getting serious with something, there will be, you know, Scott and Jeff jumping in with, oh my goodness, and they'll make a complete joke of it. Right. And they add levity to it, which is, I think, what I love about working with them so much is that it's really fun. I think when I first got into radio, I took everything really seriously mm-hmm. and was just like, oh my gosh, like there's, there's such responsibility here where there where there totally is but it's also really fun and that's how I am in my real life and I feel like that's why I'm just be able to be myself on the air like I am in real life now right. at this point yeah. you know it's like hey we we are all here to just hopefully have a laugh and be respectful to one another have right. a great time listen to great music but care about each other and I hope that that comes through mm-hmm. with what we're doing I I just find it interesting that you know Obviously, a lot of people do listen to you every day. They listen to the Jeff O'Neill show every day. They probably hold you in high regard. So is it weird when like a total stranger to you, uh, I mean, you're not a stranger to them, but, but they're a stranger to you like reaches out for advice. No, and I love that. I like <laughs> honestly that's my thing. Like I oh, remember yeah? listening, oh yeah. I am um, I I love I remember listening to 
Rona Raskin. I don't know if you ever knew that no. call-in show. And she was like, you would call her for advice on things. Okay. And I was obsessed with it. I would like tape it and listen to it because I just thought that that was so amazing that these people would have, you know, any sort of issue and she would try to tackle it. I mean, I think she was a doctor, so she was a little more qualified sure. than I am. So I just feel if you trust me, then I would love to help you like I would love to help any friend that, you know, called me up and was like, what do I do? Right. Yeah. It, yeah. it is funny, though, in person when it happens, because sometimes... I'll be chatting with someone and I get like so caught up in our conversation and my daughter's sitting there and she's like, mom, do you know them? And I'm like, well, kind of, not technically, but uh, sort of. But she's always like, who was that? And she'll loudly ask me as we're walking away. I'm like, just... Yeah. That's amazing. So it, it, does that happen quite often where you're recognized or, or maybe um, your voice is recognized? Or I, I wouldn't say like quite often, but yeah. Yeah, it, it's happened. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I feel weird saying that. But yeah, it does happen. And I, I just I love when it does. I feel so I love it when f- someone feels comfortable enough to be able to come over and, and chat with me because I have all the time in the day. So right. I hope people feel like that. Cool. That's an open invite. It sounds yeah, like. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Are th- is there any... Um, request for advice that you just wouldn't touch? Like if someone... Um... Oh, gosh, that's a good one. Maybe money advice, investment okay. advice. Okay, don't come to me for that. I don't know what I'm doing. You don't doing. have any hot stock tips? No. no. Just, I did learn save 10% of your income, and that's all I got. Okay. okay. That's a pretty good one. Okay. That's all I have. Other than that, no, I don't know anything. It's a hard, That's a hard one in Vancouver, though, I think. Yeah, it really is. I know. And that's like one of the big issues that we're seeing now. A lot of people, I mean, I remember growing up back in the day, it was such a shame thing for young adults to live with their parents. Yeah. And now it's like, hello, that's the only way anyone's going to save any money if the parents say it's okay or family members that's what we have to do here our reality is completely changing totally yeah Uh, speaking of uh, differences in growing up where did you grow up I grew up in Richmond oh so yeah so I grew up here Richmond and grew up listening to C Fox grew up listening to and watching all the local TV stations you know like Tony Parsons was on our TV in the in the evening for evening news and so I just I feel so just I never really thought it would happen that I'd be on the air I didn't I just I thought it would always be such a dream like this is a job that I'd love to have but it's not really realistic so don't even say it out loud and and the fact that I get to do this job, I feel grateful every day. Like every, every, <laughs> literally every day, I am grateful for what I get to do. Yeah. It, you know what? Uh, I mean, pardon me for, for making an observation, but it sounds like it. Like Aww. just meeting you and you talking about your work, like that passion you know, Thank resonates you. for you. It's very, it's very much conveyed. So. I think the minute that you start taking it for granted and you start being jaded, um, that's when you got to pack it in. Because yeah. why do you feel like this job should be yours or that you don't need to put in the work or that you're not excited or love it? Right. That's when, you know, you see people in the industry and they just like don't like the station. They want to complain about things all the time. <laughs> and you're like, you get to be on the air in Vancouver, the yeah. most beautiful city in the world, I would say. And and you, you get to be on the air. Like, how can you complain about this? Of course, there's things with, you know, equal pay and things like that, that you need to worry about and fight for always, always. But um, be grateful for the fact that you have a voice and that you get to use it. Yeah, absolutely. That's not the case in other places in the world. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair enough. And that's that's a great point. Um, I, I want to get back to you in, in growing up in Richmond. Yes. Um, I mean, you've done a lot. You've continued to be a, a part of a lot of things. Uh, but of course, you're known for your work at Seafox. And uh, you've been a part of Seafox 
for 18 years. Yes. Yes. I know. Double. That's a legal adult. I know. Okay. I started when I was four. Don't Google that. I mean, they had this baby hiring program going on. Um, yeah. So I started at Fox actually on their promotions team. Okay. And so when I started, I was just, you know, whenever there'd be events, you'd be handing out stickers and that sort of thing. And then it, I just kept doing these little demo tapes, sending them out all over, all over to different places, never thinking that would Fox ever hire me. What would you record the demo tapes on? So I would have, oh, that's a, what was I doing? Oh my gosh. I don't even remember. It was so long ago. It feels like <laughs> it wasn't real to real. Yeah. I think it was just, um, I don't even know. I don't even, I, I can't even remember what we were recording on. But we're talking cassettes, yes. obviously, yeah. right? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd be like sending a, out demo like a cassettes. a tape recorder and you had a microphone yeah, set up? Or? Yeah, that, yeah, like it was basically just like a very, very basic. And I would wow. do mock-up commercials. I would tape other morning shows and kind of like do their wheel of like news and then traffic. And then here's a commercial about pantyhose or something stupid. That's incredible. And, and then I would put these together and send them out everywhere, like US, Europe, everywhere. And then I would get a million rejection letters saying um, this is not good enough or whatever. And then I, I did yeah. go to BCIT. Okay. So we were doing demo tapes there as well. And one day I was working at a clothing store on the side, working at Fox part-time okay. and doing their promo team, working on their promo team. And I was sending out my tapes and I got a call from the program director at Fox At the time it was Bob Mills. Amazing guy, awesome boss. And he said, hey, we need somebody to come in. The... the um, traffic reporter on the Larry and Willie morning show has quit. Wow. And so we're looking for someone to fill that position. Are you available? Can you come in for an interview? So I get this message on my on my phone and I'm like, what in the, no way? <laughs> this is, uh, th- I'm totally being punked here. Yeah. And so I actually asked one of my friends, did you call me? Because how would they know the name Bob Mills? I just didn't know how this would happen. Yeah. Anyway, it was real. I went in for an interview sitting across two guys that I like listened to growing up. And yeah. it was like actually mind blowing. So that's why I always say when people ask me, like, you know, a lot of people said to me when I was when I was thinking about getting into broadcasting, there's no jobs. There's no money. The industry is dying. Radio's dying. You know, serious radio is on the horizon. There will be no radio in Vancouver, in the world, you mm-hmm. know, in, in the future. So there's no point in getting into this medium. But I always knew that couldn't be true because what I grew up on and what I loved was that local connection. Right. Was that, hey, you know, there might be these general stories that hit the world, around the world, that are important to everyone. But there's things that are in your community that are very important, like housing and what's going on in Gastown. And Totally. Oh, the Richmond Night Market or whatever it might be that might hit you or SFU or what's UBC doing that we will always need. You know, we'll always need that local connection to yeah. what's going on in our community. And I think that um, I just kind of kept going for it, even though people were telling me no and people would say, <laughs> uh, you're not good enough or whatever it was. I was just like, ah, I had a bit of tunnel vision, which was good. I love that. Yeah. It was. I think now I would not have that as much. <laughs> But back then, I was just like so clueless. Yeah, nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. I yeah. was working at a clothing store. I was like, I'm just going to do this on the side and see if it happens. Yeah. But I, I kept, I kept doing a bunch of things at once. Mm-hmm. So I think it, I think that was maybe the key. It was, I was always busy. Totally. Yeah. I, I want to get my hands on one of these demo tapes. Oh like, gosh. Of I you probably, splicing I... <laughs> yourself in between like recorded. I probably, radio. I can probably find you one. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Please do. I will. I will. It's, it'll be embarrassing as I'll get out. I'd have to find a cassette player. <laughs> That we won't find. No. <laughs> we'll have to do some antiquing together. That, that might be a little harder. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, that must have been crazy, though. Like, I read somewhere that you won um, an award for being, like, C. Fox's best listener when you were growing up. 
and now you're you know, in an interview to be on the Larry and Willie show. Yeah. Like how oh, it was crazy. I remember going to a concert. It was the Lenny Kravitz and cult concert. Okay. And they had the, this contest on the radio yeah. that was, if, if you were in this row, you will win a prize. Oh. So I'm like late for school. I'm in high school. I'm like late <laughs> to go out and I am like, I need to call in. So I called in, won a prize from Larry and Willie. So how in, old were you at this point? I was probably, so this must've been in grade 12. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I'm like, I win a prize from these guys and now I'm having an interview with them. Yeah. Never can I admit that because that's like, you know, I don't want them to just think that I'm like just some, some listener. Or, totally. Yeah. Complete fangirl. But I told them <laughs> that after a while and they were just like, they thought that was awesome. They loved that I was like from, Van- you know, from the city, that I loved the product, that I loved the radio. They loved that passion. So, totally. Yeah. And they, they were such awesome guys to work and learn from, like just the nicest guys on earth. Yeah. Very humble, very gracious, just good people cool. really good people yeah that i i love that story and i and i think i can understand why in an interview you wouldn't want to tell them that but i think from an employer's or or teammates standpoint you want someone who's passionate about yeah. what you're doing right? i guess so but you just you want to i guess you're you like putting on all these airs yeah. like oh yes i'm an authority on my traffic <laughs> i didn't know what i was doing I'm like, so. so so did you have any training in how to do traffic when no you and that no. was the funny thing is i so the week that i got the call and i think it was like a thursday and then i had my interview on the monday did not sleep all weekend because <laughs> i was like a complete basket case and leading up to it i thought okay i have to know where the cape horn interchange is where's this where's that I'm trying to learn all these different yeah. spots in the, the lower mainland and when I get there I think I will be quizzed on this and they'll probably put me in front of a microphone to do all of this no they didn't care they just wanted to know is this person what's this person going to seem like like we want someone that's a real human that right. will connect with our listeners that's yeah. what they wanted and yeah that's what I get yeah that was that was kind of the prerequisite they didn't want this traffic nerd sure <laughs> that would have been great too but that how was... how does traf- traffic reporting on the radio work like I always imagine there is someone with like I don't know 12 screens and they oh, yeah. got their eyes on their whole city and they do is yeah. that how it works well not for me okay but, okay so AM 730 is where we get all of our traffic they're okay. part of the same company right and so they have all the traffic you know they have the cameras they've got the live lines people calling in we we do get tips from our listeners but then we just have to make sure that that's what's actually going on so we right. have to just kind of you know background check them all but we have people in our building that are doing all of that so that's yeah. where I get my stuff okay and yeah. is that generally how it's done where you have like a central hub like a yes. 7 7:30 and they're sort of yeah. distributing it to their sister stations. Yes, and Global News they I mean they have the same thing with Caitlin when she's doing it in the morning she has all the cameras and she you know all of the information. Oh wow, yeah. okay. Yeah. That's cool. So, yeah. so you weren't sitting in front of like no. rows of screens and no, I mean, figuring I, it out for yourself. Well, I mean I think that if that was the only thing that I was doing but because they want us to be a part of the show, right. so I'm just sort of like reading what's going on in the traffic. Yeah. That that's amazing. I mean, uh and I, I guess what what we've talked about your passion for for C Fox and and starting there. I'm curious because in this sort of dude bro environment, what was it that 
that does it for you in terms of rock radio? Like, why rock radio? I grew up listening to rock. I loved rock. I okay. loved, like, you know, I... What'd you cut your teeth on? Um, okay, so really, really young, like, we're going back. I love sure. Bon Jovi. Okay, like, yeah. Big time. <laughs> I love Beasties, which we play, which isn't rock. It's more like rap rock. Sure. But I uh, love the Beasties, liked Pearl Jam, loved Soundgarden. Those were, like, my kind of bands. Okay. Loved live music. I would... I, I remember driving down... Um, probably with my parents, maybe, but we'd be driving downtown and we'd be going by Richard Street and that's where the old Sea Fox was. And Rich, it was on Richards and Nelson. Now it's a condo, but it used to be the old Sea Fox <laughs> building. And they would always have these like super cool murals that were painted on the side of the wall. Oh, okay. And so it would be like a big Pearl Jam, like their album, 10 would be, you know, there'd be like a big mural of it. And I would drive by going, one day I want to be in that building. I just want to see like wow. what's going on in that building. And I guess I just grew up listening to rock radio, like Larry yeah. and Willie were my jam. They were on a rock station, loved everything that they played, loved everything that they did. It was just sort of, uh, it was definitely what I grew up on. I remember when the big pop station rolled into town, it was Z95. Okay, yeah. And when they rolled in, it was like they had this big moving bus of like dance music and all of that kind of stuff. And it was like, oh, we've got like a new kid in town. Right. But, you know, before that, I mean, to me, I didn't even know anything before rock radio. I didn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I remember the Z95 days in the 90s. Uh, I was quite young, um, but that was the station that everyone used to. I mean, I, yeah. I was really young, but that was the station that everyone used to. Oh, listen totally! To. That was the other huge player in town. Like it was just yeah. you know you'd have, and now you have so many that you can't keep track, right? Totally. <laughs> like, yeah. Which one's on which dial? That's what everyone's <laughs> always asking. And it, it's what I think again is cool is, you know, you're clearly multi talented. You 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 are in a lot of projects, but but rock radio has remained that was, a constant. That was the life. base. Yeah, that was the real base. I remember when I was doing two jobs. I was doing the morning show at Breakfast Television, and yeah. then Fox in the afternoons with Todd. Crazy, and it was a lot. <laughs> it, it was a lot because I started just as doing BT. Yeah, and it was just that, and then I went over to Fox to just visit everyone and say hi, and they were like, "Hey, what would you think about mm-hmm. you know if we paired you up in the afternoon and you did both?" And I was just at that point in my life, I said no to nothing, yes to everything. I was going 100 miles an hour. And Love I'm like, it. yeah, I can totally do that. I can wake up at this time, then not sleep, do the evening, sh- the afternoon show. We'd go have concerts that we'd be presenting. So we'd be out at the Commodore at night. Right. I just lived on like, holy, I get to do this. This is so awesome. Yeah. And then it kind of kicks in where you're like, okay, I need a day. <laughs> I need a day. I'm getting tired. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's an incredible schedule to be doing breakfast TV in the morning and then see Fox in the afternoon. Um, you sort of expressed your attitude of, you know, don't say no, just, just yeah. do every opportunity available. Well, so, so what was driving you? Like, what was the vision at that time the of vision what you wanted to do? The vision was just being able to, you know, like live out all of my goals and dreams. And yeah. I felt like I was I was doing that. Like, it was so cool. And there was, there was you know, Bill Good was mm-hmm. doing the same thing. He was doing the evening news and he was doing CKNW. So I just saw all these people that were, that were doing this, that were inspiring to me. And I thought, holy, I want to do that too. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was it was a pretty pretty fun time it did really you, was did you feel like you you uh you accomplished a lot of those goals that you were you were seeking to do? Yeah. Like, I mean, I still love TV. There's mm-hmm. this certain rush that you get from it that yeah. you're like, you know, you get off the air and, and you just feel like on top of the world. It's a really fun, fun, awesome medium. Um, but at the time when I was doing both, I kind of like something had to give. Mm. I felt like it was just, it was just, everything was pulling me in too many directions. Yeah. And it wasn't sustainable for the long yeah, run. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was it's getting a, a bit tough. Yeah. Especially with like, you know, you have to be at events and you have to do things and doing both. 
both, you want to be 100% for both things, you know? And then yeah. it was, it was kind of hard to. And then throw in a family into the mix and it's game over. <laughs> <clears throat> One question I have for you is, uh, when I started this podcast, I still cringe at the sound of my own voice. Like, it's just one of those things that yeah. I think everyone has that. So for you, and al- although you are a very positive person, so I, I don't, uh, I want to be clear, you have an excellent voice <laughs> and you have an excellent presence on television. But for you, what do you cringe at most? Seeing yourself on TV or hearing your voice? Okay, first of all, your voice is amazing. And I meant oh, to say you. that at the beginning <laughs> of this. Um, so you should never feel like that. I cannot stand hearing my voice. I watch myself like with maybe a, a blanket like halfway up to my head okay. and no one else can be around when either of these things happen. Really? Yeah. No, no, no. Like I, so I, you know, there's people in the industry that they'll like turn the commercial louder and be like, oh, I, I voice this and they're totally comfortable with it. Yeah. I am the opposite. I will like turn the radio off and I'll just like, I cannot listen to myself. Wow. No, I can't. See, because for Unless me- I'm alone. Okay. Yeah, and even then, I'm I'm like dying inside. Yeah. Yeah. See, for me, because you have like such a signature, you have a great radio voice. Well, that's very nice, so. <laughs> but I can't listen to it. I really. Well, can't. that's how I feel sometimes too about my own voice. I think it's just a human. Yeah, yeah. Thing. It's it's like those actors that are like, oh, I watched my own movie seven times. You're like, are you for real? Like, yeah. I guess it's a good thing because it helps you get better. And and I will listen to things and go, okay, I shouldn't do that. I should do this, and you know, try to improve in certain ways. But it's really hard watching myself because I'm so critical of every little thing I do. No, exactly. I think there's a hyper self-awareness yeah. when you are watching yourself and there's obviously an opportunity to improve and, and yeah. polish up your technique. Totally. But it's still super weird. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> You're like, why did I make that face? Why did I move my hands like that? Why did I do that? Why yeah. did I say that? Yeah, it's all I said that's things. so weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you are doing the uh, the morning show on Fox now and uh I believe you're up at 3.15 in the yes. morning. Is yes. that you? No, that's for real. I don't snooze. You're nuts. No, I know. I don't snooze. You because don't snooze? If I, no, if I snooze, if I press the snooze button, I, it's game over. I'm, oh. I'm gone. So it's like as soon as it goes off, I have to jump out of bed. Yeah. Jump right out. Yeah. See, I have to put my, when I put my alarm on in the morning, I have to give myself a 20 minute buffer for, for the snooze. Yeah, that's but two I, snoozes. If I do a buffer, I'm up at like two something and then <laughs> no thanks. I can't do it. <laughs> what what time do you go to bed if you're up that early? I, I should go to bed. I have it set on my iPhone, you know, the little sleep thingy that yeah. tells you like how much you need. I should be going to bed at 7.15 every night. That never happens. So 7.15? Yeah, to get my eight Wait. hours. I'm supposed to, <laughs> according to my Apple phone, I suppose, I, it's, to my iPhone, it's, it says that I should be in bed at 7.15 to get my full eight hours. Never has that happened. I uh, usually generally nine o'clock. Like last okay. night it was probably ten thirty because I had a couple things that I had to do. Sure. But usually nine. Nine is when I'm like, okay, that that's fine. Do you do you ever go to bed at seven fifteen? Is that right? Is that no, no? I think okay. maybe if I've been like sick. Right. Yeah. And then I'm still probably scrolling on my phone and doing stuff that I shouldn't be doing. Sure. While I'm in bed. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is I think everyone Yeah. We gotta stop the night scroll. Yeah. The night scroll's killing us, I think, as a as a population. As I get humans. I get into these good habits and sometimes then, you know, I, I let them go and try to get back into them of whenever I'm setting my bedtime, I can't be on technology for half an hour beforehand. I love so that. So if that forces me to read or do something else or yeah. just sit there, um, but just not having that um 
blue light sensation. (laughs) Totally. And I was convincing myself that I had to because I needed to know the latest breaking thing that was going on before I went to bed. But I realized that's just the addiction talking. And it's like, I can find that out in the morning. And when I was actually cutting myself off, because I did do that for a while, I was getting way better sleeps. So I don't know why I don't do it. You know, it's just, it's just so easy. The phone's right there. I'll just flick that on and see what's going on with the world. You know, it's, it's too easy. And and there's no, end to it especially if no. you're looking for like what just happened because if you find oh. if something um, like crazy happens yeah then you're going in deep on on that right and then you're down this oh. rabbit hole and then you're like in the comment section questioning life because you're like are people really this awful like <laughs> this is horrible <laughs> oh it's, it's bad <laughs> yeah <laughs> do you ever go through comment section for your own work uh yeah we do you well, you know what i find really funny comment section for our work is the phone lines. Right. So, or That's well, true. we have a tech system too that we get right away. So the minute you say something that people don't like, they will let you know. They'll yeah. be like, uh-uh, BS, whatever. Like, I feel like our listeners are pretty nice, but still they'll tell you right away if they don't like what you're talking about or if something's wrong. And that too right now, I think the, the radio landscapes change so much because back in the day, the radio announcer was the authority on the news and what right. was going on. So was the newscaster. That's why, you know, you would you would tune in at six to find out what's going on. Now every viewer was is pretty much armed with the same information that yeah. you have in a lot of cases. I mean, besides, you know, when you're doing more research on certain stories, but for the most part, everyone's an expert on everything. <laughs> and and if they're not, you know, while you're talking or about Or they pretend to be or they think they are, well, yeah. And, and they kind of are, which is really yeah. cool because they can just Google, you know, the story app and go, oh, and then there's this part that you missed or this that could add to it, which makes it actually, you know, you would think that it's a bad thing, but it makes the conversation that much more interesting because we'll be on the air talking about a certain, certain issue. And right away, you'll have all these listeners with their awesome points that they chime in, which we're able to add to the story and say, you know, Brett and Surrey says this, and then you can add it to the story and it makes it that much more of a rich broadcast. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about radio a little more, because obviously from the time that you joined CFOX, the media landscape for radio broadcasting, for local news, print and TV has dramatically shifted. And you've sort of given us a great example just there. As someone in the trenches of that world, can you break down the, the changes in the media landscape for me that you've seen firsthand over the past two decades? I, I Well, the one thing is the newspaper is gone, like which is you know one of the things that we used to use as a huge source right. of information starting. That would be like, okay, grab the papers, and that's what you know our, our news directors and our news people would have, and they'd be using for the newscast. We don't get the paper, sadly, in the studio <laughs> at all anymore, which is probably not a big surprise. It's old to, news by the time you read it. Oh, it's right? old. It's that, that was yesterday. Now yeah. it's going on today, yeah. sadly. Uh, that's one of the big ones. I think the, the second thing is literally everyone can be their own broadcaster because everyone has a social media, uh, you know, everyone has their own social channel and they can put out and produce all sorts of great content. Mm -hmm. And that's what people are doing. So we're getting different sources every day, you know, whether it's a really cool video or something that, you know, stops your heart and goes, wow, makes you think we're getting all of these different news sources. It's not just the the big news sources. No, it's it's people. It's, you know, and that I think is really cool. And you don't have to hunt that hard anymore no right you just like type in one little hashtag and all of a sudden you're (laughs) like hey you get you have all which makes it a lot easier yeah yeah so i think that that to me has made it way more exciting because it's not this forced content that's going to be from one source 
if you're looking for it, you can find different voices. Right. Yeah. Which I love because before it was kind of like one contrived voice from one place and that's what they wanted. You know, that's what the editor wanted you to write about and in this sort of way or tone. Mm -hmm. um, now it's just, you know, you're getting all sorts of different things. So do you find that um, being a radio broadcaster, there's maybe a little more freedom in how you're expressing yourself there, or the content of the show? I think there is more freedom in some ways, but in a lot of ways, they, I think you're hel being held to task more because you know you can say a comment it'll be put on social media and people can just go crazy and rip it apart or you know your, your job <laughs> yeah. could be over there was there was the case with Elish Pedersen you know the hockey player yeah he went down he had a bad concussion with that hit that he got in the right. last game or the game before that and a radio announcer in Calgary decided to play as a game oh uh, let let's call the let's name the finishing move of the guy that hit him. Oh. So a lot of people were yeah. saying, okay, are you making fun of the fact that this poor kid might have a concussion? Like, what yeah. are you doing? So right away, you're being called to task, which I think is a great thing. Yeah. Because, you know, if you're doing something that's offside, people will tell you right away. Totally. Do, do you find, and the Jeff O'Neill show has gone through this oh, a yeah. few times. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, what what's that like to be on a side where maybe not you specifically, but someone on the show yeah. has said something the show receives outrage and then you have to walk it back or, or sort yeah. of be reflective well, about what happened. It's funny because we're in, you know, rock radio, we're supposed to be edgy. That's like, you know, you're supposed yeah. to like kind of like toe, you like be exciting, be edgy. That's one of the things that you're told. And being edgy now is very different than being edgy back in the day when there was no social media. Right. Because now, I mean, people will get upset about anything and everything. And w with what our issue was, it was the same game that Ellen has played on her show. The thing that that people were upset yeah. about. It's the same thing that Tina Fey and Amy Poehler did at the Emmys. Totally. It was the would you rather sort of like. Um, we're talking F, F, F Killer Mary. Mary. Carol. Yeah. 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 And like everyone's <laughs> played that game. Yeah. And it's not like a literal kill. Yeah. It's not. That's not what it is. Or a literal F against someone's will. Yeah. It's like it's like a comedian sort of fun game. It's nothing that you'd really like mean in a hurtful way. Totally. And I think, you know, people did get upset about it. Yeah. And it. It upsets me because it's like, oh, if you think that we would be meaning that in a, like a hurtful way, it's you, you, like, that's not, that wasn't our intention. That was not the intention. But when someone just sees it written out, they're like, oh, that's a terrible thing. F, kill or marry. That's a terrible thing. Right. But when you're, when you are, I guess it's the intention behind it. But it was mm -hmm. funny because when we got in trouble for that and that sort of thing happened and it was the weekend after and Sunday was the Emmys and Tina Fey and Amy Poehler were hosting and they played the game from the stage. And oh, I'm like, amazing. I don't think these two women who are smart, awesome women, I don't think that they mean this in like a an actual like kill or Yeah, they're not advocating for No for, for something yeah. No, not at all. They're just like playing a silly game. Yeah. Which is I think when you're when you're listening to our show, that's where we're coming from. We're just trying to have fun. So you so you got outrage yeah. um we got online. A, a Did you get like, callers as well saying? No, we had a oh. lot of support as well. It was okay. mainly not us. Per maybe our bosses did. Uh, maybe yeah. our bosses probably did. You're, yeah. So sure, we did. Um, but it was you were I, sheltered from that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, there were there was uh, there was like some Twitter outrage. Sure. Yeah. It's uh, 
Yeah, I mean, stuff like that, you just think that people are looking for something to be really upset Sometimes. about. And... You know, I don't want to, if someone is genuinely hurt or upset by something, sure, then more power to you. But just listen to our side of the story and let, you know, we'll let you know that, hey, we didn't mean it in that way at all. Yeah. And here's some other examples of like where we got the idea of the game and we thought it was funny. And okay, you don't. So let's have that I, conversation. Totally. Yeah. And you almost have to be more careful today because everything gets replayed. So yeah. So in a prior time, you'd say it on the radio and it'd be done with. Maybe some people would talk about it and that's about But no one would replay it unless the uh, the radio station was replaying it, yes. right? Um, but now with all the replay value with Twitter and everything, like, yeah. things spread like wildfire oh. and then also get blown out of proportion of what the actual incident was. Yes. Right? I mean, depending on what it is, right? Yeah. Like you'll, like someone will tweet something awful and then they'll take it down and be like, okay, that didn't happen. Oh yes, it did. Because a million people screenshotted it. it. Yeah. <laughs> it. Now they're retweeting it. So that's not over. But I was, when that whole thing came up, I was in shock that that was even an issue. Like I remember we got called into the office and I was like, what did we do? I didn't even think that it was that oh, okay. particular game. Yeah. You were you were sort of going like, through the, yeah, the things that like, all the things I... you did yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have to say we're a lot more of a family fr- friendly show now sure. than we ever were before, and and it's it's a lot more fun. We have a lot of kids listening, a lot of parents listening, and I'm a parent. I have a kid, and you know I want everyone to feel comfortable that's in the same situation that I'm in. Totally. But yeah. I also have a I have a I have a huge sense of humor, and I like love laughing, and I love silly humor, and I'm okay with it. But yeah. not everyone is, and I totally get that. Fair enough. You you also are the like um, the voice I'm, of reason. I was just gonna say the voice of reason, the the mitigating. Uh, I always laugh because I'm like, oh my gosh, if I'm the voice of reason, this is like ridiculous. Um, on that note, you know what is the future of radio? Because it seems to me like traffic, weather, and news will always have a place, certainly for talk radio. And I'm yeah. thinking specifically of CKW's Linda Steele, who has fantastic programming. Oh, I love her. With programs like her, you know. She's concurrently podcasting as well, or all the segments yep. are being podcasted. But for music radio platforms, for lack of a better term, I don't know the industry, yeah. um, it seems like it's quite difficult. So so where do you see the industry headed? Yeah, I guess that is a really good question because we've been wondering that for so long yeah. like I think that when Sirius first came onto the horizon and then you know everyone with their their everyone has access to the hit songs before like radio would break the hit songs exactly now uh, artist is doing it on their Instagram page yeah you know what I mean so they don't really necessarily need us mm-hmm. but I think what it is is just having sort of a genuine take on what's going on in the day so that people can kind of it is sort of like a podcast in real time I think is is what it is but with advertising that is you know played throughout but podcasting has the same thing needs advertisers to to continue to run so um, I think that we're constantly just it is a good question because I'm like I think it's going to be the way that it is for a while. Mm-hmm. I don't see it going because from my whole career and I've been doing this for 20 years, everyone's been saying it's going to change. It's going to change. Well, it's not really changing that much. Mm. I don't think. I think, hey, what are the big issues in the city? That's what we're going to tackle. What do you care about? What What are you talking about with your friends after work? That's what we want to talk about on the radio. That's what that's what our show is. Right. That's what we, you know, it's not just this forced wheel of here are these stories. We're going to talk about what we really care about. Mm. So it sounds like uh, radio has to be a lot more localized. Yeah. You can't just have a radio show that's 
broadcast on the radio throughout the country because you uh, had the internet for that, right? Yeah, I think some shows can do that. Okay. I think, but it's those real human issues that people really connect with. Yeah. That, you know, like what what does John in Surrey and Mike in New West like? What what what's getting them through the day? What's upsetting them? What are they happy about? Those are the kind of things that we want to hit. And yeah. every person, it's the same thing. It's just having that human connection. Totally. You know, and it's, I, it's not so much like the news wheel yeah. or the traffic wheel. It's that that human connection thing. And I was I was just going to add to that. So aside from being quite localized, it's also very personality yeah, driven. So I you think need so. those personalities and the chemistry between those personalities on on morning radio or afternoon radio yeah. to really make it work and to entrench your your listenership. Totally. Right? And I think that's why you know people gravitate towards different personalities. It's like you just have a preference in who you like and who you get and who gets you. Yeah. And and I think that's why it's important to just have so many different voices. Totally. Yeah. Cool. Um, you've touched on this a couple times already. Has satellite radio, and I'm thinking Sirius XM, yeah. I don't know if there is any other satellite radio except for them now, but um, have have they been the competitor that they were once lauded to be? Because they were supposed to revolutionize everything. Oh, And they... I know for me, like, I, when I got my new car, I had a free trial. I was listening to Howard Stern every day. The free trial expired. I looked at how much it cost to uh, to get a subscription. And it was way too much, and I was not interested. And I don't know anyone that pays for SiriusXM. Yeah. You know what is so funny? I, I think, like, exactly the same story. Yeah. I love Howard Stern. I think yeah. he does a unreal interview. He is just someone that, like, I mean, bow down. Howard Stern is Absolutely. the king of radio. I love him. Um, but that's the thing. Do people want to pay for it? Yeah. That I don't know if they do. I don't. I've got a lot of expenses, especially living here in Vancouver, <laughs> even though, you know, I'll catch up with him on different sources. But it's one of those things, free versus pay. People don't like paying for things. Yeah. Which, but, and I and I do think we, w- we were very worried about satellite radio. Really? Oh, my goodness. That was like the hugest competition. It's like, hmm. why would you need little old us if you could have this person? But I think the the difference is the community aspect. Mm-hmm. So you have that. Yeah, the localized aspect. Yeah. <laughs> free. free. It's yeah. like, hey, we listen to you every day. It's free. Yeah. 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 Just a few ads. Not yeah, a big deal. Totally. Right? Yeah. You got to put up with the ads. Yes. If um, so, so there has been change. There has been there have been uh, competitors that you know were lauded to be big and yep. didn't end up being a big deal. Um, obviously, a more focused on local content, more focus on personalities and the chemistry between those personalities. Yeah. Um, in this changing world, if you know a fresh-faced young person came up to you today and they told you that they wanted to be in radio broadcasting and they wanted to do exactly what you're doing, what advice would you have for them? I would say you have to go for it. Be passionate. Be gracious. Be grateful. Work your butt off. Yeah. You know what? My first job, I I don't even know if it paid. It did pay, but I think it was like <laughs> $8 an hour. Sure. And, you know, it was just, I didn't care how long I had to be there. I would be the first one there and the last one gone. I loved it so much. It was just seeing that, you know, station name and going, I want I want to work there. Right. I, that, that, was my, that was my goal. That was my dream. And, you know, there were people along the way that told me, to just give it up. Mm. And and I would never, ever say that to someone because I think everyone has something to offer. 
And I think that's why it's so cool that there are so many podcasts and different voices out there because there's an audience for everything. Totally. We learned that with like YouTube videos where yeah. you're like, you're going to watch someone playing video games? Really? Are you going to watch someone eat desserts? Yeah. Or Like there is an audience for everything. So don't you got to go for it. And if you don't see a certain job that maybe you think that you could fill, like maybe you don't want to be the six o'clock news anchor or a morning radio host, create something. Mm-hmm. There's so many opportunities. Go out there, find out the program director's names at all the different stations in your town and hit them up with a great idea. Totally. You never know what they're looking for. Yeah, there might be not be any jobs on like a job website for radio, but go and meet these people. Get out there, meet as many people as you can, be willing to volunteer, be willing to put in some work. Mm-hmm. And if you have a voice and you want it to be heard, get your voice into as many hands as you can. Say, listen to my demo. I've got this, you know, and 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 keep getting back out there. Don't give up. Wow. Amazing advice from the queen. (laughs) I would just add to that that especially when you're young, you have a lot of privilege in terms of you have nothing to lose. And especially if you're still living at home, you you have a lot of expenses covered, you have a safety net. Yeah, There's a lot of time that you have where you're able to do these things. And it's very hard to do those same things like volunteer (laughs) or, or, you know, put in the type of hours you can when you're older and you have a family or, yes. or you have responsibilities, But you know right? what? I even feel like when you're older, it's it's what we're spending our time on. I mean, how Absolutely, we can yeah. spend like three hours scrolling on our phone into like the nonsense web and just like, yeah. what am I even doing? As opposed to, okay, you know what? I've got this really great idea for XYZ and just putting in, like I remember when I was first starting, I would make three phone calls a day. That was my goal. Like I had to make three different phone calls every day to three different places that would help me get to my career goal. So whether wow. it was a radio station to see like what the program director's name was, who was the head of this, who was the head of that, I would be making calls. I don't do that anymore. And yeah. and because it's replaced with, you know, scrolling stupid stuff on my phone or being on Instagram sure. or things that I, I know that I shouldn't be doing. Yeah. But it's like, I, if you just took the time, whatever that is, half an hour, 15 minutes towards <laughs> that goal that you have, oh my gosh, I think you'd be that much closer to it. Yeah. I, I, I And I think you're absolutely right. That's an excellent point. I'm just saying when you're younger, Oh yeah, you do way have more the time. freedom. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. But I just feel for the oldies too. It's never too it's late. It's never over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's there's always room. Um, one aspect of your career that I believe is actually understated is the fact that you're a South Asian woman in a field, rock radio, that is, as I said, you know, dominated by, by bros, yeah. by dude bros. And... <laughs> In this city, you know, I would say that I think you've broken down a lot of barriers and opened up a lot of doors for women of color. I mean, I think of you and Simi Sarah, and I can also include, you know, Sophie Louis in this as well as strong, entertaining women who have made Vancouver's media landscape a lot more representative. So I, I want your take on it. How do, how do you think the city's media is doing in terms of being representative of its population. That I love because when I was coming up, I mean, the only South Asian person that I saw on TV and I remember going, is she really Indian when I saw her <laughs> was Monica Diol. And she was on Electric Circus on on Much Music. Right, yeah, On yeah. like this dance show on a music station. She was cool. She was in a band. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this, this is unbelievable. Like, yeah. but there was one for me growing up to see. That was it. Right. And, you know, it was... Um, 
I think that's maybe why when I was younger, I never thought there was a space for me in, in media. I thought, mm. okay, it would be great, but I never said it out loud or admitted it because I didn't want people to like laugh at the fact that that will never happen. So I'd always say, oh, I want to get into PR or in public, you know, like something along Behind those lines. Yeah. yeah. But I never wanted to admit my dream because I didn't think that it was, it could be a reality. Now you turn on the TV and there are so many brilliant brilliantly smart amazing women that are of south asian descent Mm -hmm. um asian descent all you know the whole spectrum that are on tv at all hours and are you know doing their thing and that makes me so happy Mm -hmm. i i love seeing that and we see it pretty much every day on every newscast absolutely and i i can't believe the difference because my daughter is going to grow up thinking that's just the norm yeah whereas i remember i would be like holy there's one like (laughs) pointing out like oh my gosh i think she's Indian like this is crazy yeah and and now it's like I just expect it like I don't even think about it yeah which and this has all been in my lifetime I I would say the same thing and it's you know being a visible minority I think it's a shared experience of when you see someone of your community yeah on television or on media or in politics or, or whatever there is that sense of oh this is possible like yeah, you like, know and and it's it's maybe not something that hampers us every day but it is something in our subconscious of thinking a rock radio person has to look like this. Totally. Politician has to look like this. Yeah. And when you see someone breaking that mold, it does have a very profound effect. It does. On it, kids, you, I think especially. You don't think that it does, but it's like I, I it's like when you see Mindy Kaling. And yeah. here is this like comic genius that's given her own show. Well, not given, she worked her butt off for <laughs> it. But like writing books, people think she's funny. She hosts things, she's on the cover of magazines. And that's what I I love that my daughter doesn't question it. Yeah. Whereas me, I still have this weird little like, woohoo, like I'm so excited that she's there. Like I just feel this sense of pride, which is totally. crazy because, you know, like she doesn't know me. <laughs> like, why are you proud of me? But I like, I'm so proud of her for, for getting to the level that she's at. And yeah. You know, every person that's gotten to there, like every person that has the job that they want, you're, you're, of course, you're proud of them. But growing up, I never saw a comedian that was Indian that was represented yeah. ever. You know, like I grew up and you, you love all these other comedians and you just think that's the way it's going to be. But I just hope like for our next generation, like my daughter, I hope that she doesn't even question it. It's just the norm. I can just do whatever I want. I think that's where we're headed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we are. <laughs> Speaking of your daughter, I, I want to ask you about your work-life balance. You're up super early. You're maybe not getting your eight hours of sleep. What do you do to maintain this balanced work-life, media personality life that you're living um, while on top of that being a mom? Uh, you know, I think in the beginning, I found it a little more difficult because I felt like I had to prove that I was still as committed <laughs> to my work, especially, you know, working with all guys yeah. is that you don't want them to think, oh, okay, you know, now you're a mom. Now you're not going to be. So I think I, I was playing this real like tough guy role that, you know, like I'm fine. I can do it all. It's all good. Yeah. And then what she really taught me was to kind of dial it back a bit and just be totally honest and say no when I need to. And I feel like my work is so supportive. They completely respect that. Their dads, their moms, they they get it. They're yeah. they're all okay with it. I think I was putting this unnecessary sort of pressure on myself to be this super person hmm. where, you know, I realized that's not who people expect or want me to be. They just want me to be me and be honest and saying no. Because I think saying no to me was really hard in the beginning, yeah. starting out. I felt like I didn't have the 
you know, I, I wouldn't be able to say no because if I said no, opportunities would dry up. Mm. And so I had to say yes to everything. And then uh, when I started saying no, I feel like more things opened up. It's like, okay, you're not available for this, but what about this when it works better for you? Right. And then it, and now I've, I've, I've had this balance. And my daughter's older now too. And so it's, it's become so much easier. And you put in the work to be able to say no as well. I guess now where, where in the beginning, you know, you don't want to say no at all and and you've got this passion and you've got you have a lot of time but now it's like you know just for your mental health and your well-being sure and to be on it and like you know on it at, at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> you, you can't be totally overrun i've tried to do that where like you go to the shows and you do this and you do that and you try to be super mom and then by the time the morning rolls around you're like i'm dying yeah <laughs> and i do have a couple of those mornings of course we all do but for the most part i try to make it a more balanced day Sure. Yeah. 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 And that's saying no, which I do feel bad sometimes because <laughs> you want to be there for people, but yeah. you're just like, I can't. Yeah. Fair enough. I, I mean, I'm, I hope I'm not speaking uh, out of school uh, when I say this, but I have a lot of friends that are in the age group of, of having kids. Like yeah. a lot of my friends that are couples, they're having kids now. And one of the interesting things that I noticed with the moms is there seems to be this duality of, uh, they want to get back in the workforce. They want to get back to their professional passion. But then there's like this guilt about, yeah. you know, being with the the kid and 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 are they a good mom? And it's interesting because I I don't think the dads really think that way, but the I moms know. for sure do. And it seems like um, as we've gotten out of this culture where we have stay at home moms, I think there's way more women working than our stay at home moms now. Yeah. I don't know the stats. Well, to but... afford living here, everyone's yeah, got to work. Exa- the kids have to work for <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we're. Uh, it seems like it's a really tough position um, to have that work life balance when when you're a mom. Yeah, you know, there's there's the term mommy guilt. And, yeah. you know, you when you're at your office, you're feeling guilty that you're not there because you're your little one's sick and you should be at home, but you're not because you're at work. And then when you're at home, you're just like, oh, my gosh, everyone at work doesn't think I'm pulling my weight. And you're feeling guilty about that. Right. And that is definitely there in the very beginning. You've got all these hormones that are raging through <laughs> and there's all this stuff happening. And then on top of that, you're you're just feeling like you're not fulfilling anything. You're just sort of kind of, oh, my gosh, I'm just trying to be everywhere at once. And. That does pass. I mean, it passes for me. And as your kids get older, it totally passes. Mm-hmm. There'll always be that little pang of like, oh my gosh, I should be there for pickup as opposed to, you know, like going for an audition or something. You're like, ah, you're feeling guilty about it. Yeah. But I always think, and I always know my mom worked her ass off. Like she- You can mom, swear. We're, we're not okay. on radio. <laughs> my mom worked her ass off. And ass is really not a swear word. But <laughs> my, both my parents worked so hard. My yeah. mom always was working. She was taking classes. She worked out. This is like old school Indian lady, and she yeah. was doing all of these things. Love and that I watch that, and I think that's why me and my sisters and my brother, I think that's why we all have a strong work ethic, and we love work, and we're passionate about it, because she did this all happily. And I think, you know, if you're there for your kid, but you're miserable because you're there, like you're at pickup, but you feel like you missed an opportunity... That's not good for them to see. If they mm. see, hey, mom's out there kicking ass, doing, you know, auditions and doing a radio show and trying to do all of this and she's happy yeah. and she's showing me when she comes home that she's happy doing this, then we're all happy. 
You know, as long as your little one's taken care of and everything's fine and you have a good support, some people don't. And so you need to be there and you might be upset. And I've gone through the guilty days, of course, at both my job and at home. Mm -hmm. But I feel like once you, you have to just really listen to your gut and go, okay, what's important to me? What do I need to be here for? And what don't I? We right. all know the answer. We we do. We we don't think we do, but we do. Yeah. And when things are important and you go for it and it makes you really happy career-wise and you feel fulfilled, that's such a good thing for your family. Because then they're all like, hey, this is awesome. You know, like that, that happiness kind of goes throughout. Totally. Again, sage advice from the queen. <laughs> oh, I, I love you. <laughs> do, do you have, in, in your busy lifestyle, do you have a daily ritual to keep you grounded, to keep you focused, to keep you motivated? Anything that you do or have to do every day or maybe on a regular basis? Um, I think for me, it is definitely, well, one thing I, I pretend to myself every morning, this is something I do and it's so nerdy, is the alarm goes off and I'm usually like, just kill me now because it's so, so <laughs> early, but it goes off and I tell myself, I like Mr. Rogers, my brain. And I'm like, I'm so happy to be up right now. It's a beautiful day and I can't wait to get to work. Like I tell wow. myself that inside my head that I'm like very excited to go into work. Like I basically lie to myself because you have to, to get yourself motivated. Um, Positive I mean, affirmations. Yeah, they work. Yeah. Like yeah. I basically am like, it's a great day. I'm happy to be up. I'm grateful for my job. And yeah, I just try to like do this little mantra in my mind of positivity. Love it. And then I've been doing with my daughter ever since, you know, I think, oh my gosh, I probably started this when she was two. We have a gratitude journal. Okay. So she writes down because I think one of the, I, I want her to be a grateful individual. Because I mean, I grew up four kids, parents always working. And we, you know, we, we, we were always like very well provided for. But nowadays, kids get everything. I mean, you know, it's like my iPad is her iPad. And <laughs> they just like get everything. And I don't want her to be this, un, you know, like I want her to be very grateful. Yeah. And, and you know, say, hey, I'm so lucky to have everything that I do. So we do a gratitude journal very regularly. And when we do it, I mean, I make my husband do it too. And he's like, oh gosh, but he will. It's like, what was the high of your day? And what was the low? Mm -hmm. And and what are you grateful for today and sometimes you know you think you had just a ho-hum day and then you're like shoot I had, a, I had a wicked day. Yeah. I had an awesome day. You know, I like this person. I got to connect with this person. It's the it's the little things that you get to do that you're like, I actually had a really awesome day today. Yeah. Instead of going, oh, what do I have to do tomorrow? I'm so tired or, or having that going on in my head. I try not to say I'm so tired. I just try not to say those words because it's like nobody cares that you're tired. <laughs> Everyone's tired. Everyone's busy. You know, when people are like, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. You're just like, who isn't? Show yeah. me someone that isn't. No, fair enough. Yeah. Everyone's busy. No one cares. So just be grateful. Do you do you still? So you do this every day, the gratitude journal? Every We try to, unless okay. it's like, you know, a night thing that we're not. Yeah. Yeah. Like enough. a weekend or whatever. But you're keep, you're, but you're, very you're kept consistent. up with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And, and you know, sometimes I'll just even have in my phone, because if I think I don't want to forget this, I have a little note section in my phone and I'll write something down of like, okay, grateful for this right now or today. And then I'll look back on it and I'm like, wow, that was like a really cool day. Yeah. <laughs> um, one... One, one aspect that you brought up with your mom yes. was that she was still working out. Yes. So I'm curious about you. Are you part of any fitness communities, any fitness cults, uh, <laughs> something that you swear by? Um, I love Legree. It's really a, yeah. We I had Barbie it. Bent on the show. Oh, cool! Yeah. Okay, very awesome. I love Legree. It's uh, it's not easy. I love that it's like a condensed forty minute workout, and it's kind of Pilates based. Mm -hmm. And I just find that it's like such a mental. 
yeah, you really just get to release everything when you're in there. Yeah. I love it. I love how it is only 40 minutes, so it's very doable in a busy day. Totally. Um, I also, I have a treadmill at home, and I do like trashy TV. And so <laughs> my husband does not want to watch any of it. My daughter, I don't want her to see any of it. Yeah. So I, that's how I get my fix. If I'm going to watch something terrible, it's on the treadmill. It's my time alone. And, you know, I'll do the same thing where I feel guilty for taking that time. But it's like, if I don't feel good, I'm not going to be the best mom. So I just, I take that time and I need it. I need that mental release. I feel like working out is so important. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that's the thing. It's the, like you need health to do anything. You do. We're all ambitious, whether it's about career or family or, or, or side projects or other passions but if you're not healthy you can't accomplish any of that stuff. no you so really you need can't. to take care of that first yeah and I was I went to go see Tony Robbins when he was here and last minute tickets my sister had a ticket and she's like do you want to go I'm like yes absolutely and one of the things that he said is he well, he doesn't drink and mm-hmm. I do and <laughs> <laughs> I like a little glass of champagne now and then sure but he was saying that he eats very very clean he eats like an athlete mm. because he wants to perform like an athlete and we all know like when you eat crappy and don't work out and you're feeling you know not great about yourself you're so not motivated to do anything and you're not happy you're really you're just you're not like you don't feel like you're at your best yes it's awesome to have like a cheap meal and like junk food whenever I'm totally all about that's a-okay totally but I think on a whole we have to be healthier especially for the little ones I don't want them to be like addicted to all this crap and this sugar and then you know be depressed because it's totally linked that all this sugar it just depresses you in the end of course yeah, yeah. no and they'll pick up on on your habits totally right? they're modeling themselves after you and, and what they see in the household and what is normal yeah so. completely yeah, makes, so makes a big deal. Yeah. I try to be healthy because it makes me feel that much better in the morning. Because you know you don't want to be dragging. Yeah, so you're you're killing it at Legree. Do you have a favorite teacher at Legree? Oh, um, they are all they're all really. I have to say Barbie now because she was on your show. <laughs> <laughs> I love Brooke. Brooke Jacqueline okay, yeah. is She's so awesome. good. I just I'm like, oh my gosh, one day can I be like you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I again hope I'm not playing my hand. Um, but have you ever taken a class with Janine? Oh no, I haven't. Oh my god, she's so she hard. Is so hard. Okay, I, <laughs> she. I, um, I mean, I've cried in her class. Really? Before. Yeah, like not like bawling my eyes out, but pushing myself to a point where yeah, I didn't think feel. I could push myself. Yeah, yeah. It, it's for some reason that workout really gets into your whole psyche because yeah. you're just it's you you're you against the machine and totally who's gonna win? And yeah. usually it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been in a long time, but I'll have to go. Maybe Ariel's I'll try. really good too. Very, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're all great. They're, they're all, also, they're all so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, radio obviously has its perks. Yeah, you've had the opportunity to interview some of Hollywood's most elite: Jim Carrey, Bradley Cooper, Kate Beckinsale. Do you have a favorite celebrity interview? Oh, okay, that is. I loved Jim Carrey because okay. I was very nervous going in because, yeah. you know, here's this big superstar. He's at the height of his career. He made me feel so comfortable. Yeah. Like just, you know, you're from Canada. Like he, I, all of a sudden it was just like the two of us in this room and I just felt like he actually cared about my questions and he was so engaging. Um, I abs- I loved my conversation with him. The Bradley Cooper one was really fun because it was for The Hangover. Right. And it was in Las Vegas where we did the interview. So it was the entire cast. Oh, of- nice. Yeah, and it was Zach Galvanakis, so funny. Ed Helms, hilarious. And the interview was set up. And then afterwards, we had like a fake poker game with all of the cast. (laughs) And that's, I think, when before... 
things got so crazy where they wanted that separation and and you know actors kind of were done with doing junkets and stuff like that mm. like like fun ones like that where you're actually doing stuff with the with the media yeah and so that was a really fun experience one with rock um tommy lee from Motley Crue, wow. we were interviewing him, and we were backstage. We had to; they were supposed to come to the station, but it didn't work out, so we had to go to them. Okay, and so we're backstage at the Coliseum, and he was just like, "Okay, what can I get you guys to drink?" And he's like, being Mister like Martha Stewart, really? mixing up drinks, like cutting up some limes and squeezing them in there. And wow, so nice, not what you expect, just acting like a dad, like super nice, huh. and you're like. You're Tommy Lee. <laughs> it was yeah. There's been. I would some... I would have expected him to have like a harem to do all Me these too. errands for I, him. Totally. I'm like, what? Why is he getting up? What is he doing? This is yeah. so unreal. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Chris Cornell came to our station. He programmed music and just like hung out. That must have and been crazy, and it, especially for you growing up on Soundgarden. Oh and... my god, there were so many moments where I'm like, don't freak out, don't freak out. Yeah. yeah. So, so cool. So many, and you know what? I always find like the bigger the artist, I think the the, the more gracious and the kind of nicer and over the mm. whole fame thing, they were just like, hey, let's just talk like normal people, you know? Yeah. Which you love and teaches you a lot because you're like, if this person can act like this, why does everyone not, you know? Totally. They have everything at their beck and call. And it would make sense for artists who have had that longevity as well, that that's sort of been their secret to totally. know that, you know, you can be on top but. The very next day, you can be, you know, yesterday's news and yeah. no one cares. So, yeah. so to stay humble and, and to be kind to everyone around you totally. and know that, especially when it comes to media, everyone's just trying to do their job. Everyone's yeah. just a person and but trying you to hear get by. And... About the diva fits and all of that. And you're like, oh no. Right. And then <laughs> yeah. that's what I wanted to get to. Did you, did, have you had any like disastrous celebrity oh, interviews yes. or I encounters? Had, I had one, which, you know what I think? It's when you go in thinking it's going to be amazing and you're going to connect with someone. Yeah. And then the total, exact opposite happens <laughs> that's hurtful so uh zoe deschanel oh, she, so you know who yeah. she is and she's like super cute and in all these movies and uh, i'm interviewing for her her in a movie and i'm like love her i think she's great really cute and i compare her singing because she was singing in the movie that that i was um, interviewing her about and so i was, I was comparing her to Katy perry and they look alike that's what I. That, that's that's where I was coming from. Yeah. Like, wow, I didn't realize you were such a great singer and blah blah blah. She turned as soon as I mentioned a Katy Perry comparison. She was like, "Get this bitch out of my face!" Really? She, yes. And it kind of went sideways. And I guess I felt the awkwardness. And I'm like, "Oh God, why did I do a comparison?" I mean, I I didn't know it would be so off-putting to her, but she was over it and didn't want to be compared to Katy Perry. And I accidentally did that. And yeah, it just got super awkward. Really awkward. Wow. Yeah. And I remember leaving that interview going, I never want to do this again. <laughs> never. I, d I never want to sit down with someone again because this was so terrible. Yeah. Because you could feel the hate coming from her. <laughs> That's such a bizarre story, though. Like, because she, I mean, I'm sure it's maybe, it maybe it's a no. Else. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. But I just, I think that it was as soon as I said that, though, maybe someone else had compared her to Katie in a you know the interview right before us they're sitting there for like 12 hours doing all these interviews with randos from all over yeah so maybe she was just over it at that point maybe I'll give I, her that I, I guess it comes down to intent as well and you you strike me as someone that even if you asked a question that was off-putting wouldn't be conveying a bad intent in asking that right like... I would hope not but I guess <laughs> you never know sometimes people you you mean something in the in the best possible way right but if they're going into it thinking do not say this and then you do 
usually you'll be prepped on that, but I guess, yeah, she yeah, was just maybe not just happy. having a bad day. Or, yeah. yeah. But for the most part, we've been pretty lucky. Like okay. everyone's been quite awesome and really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Do you have a, a dream interview? Like one that you, someone that you would love to just sit down with and yes. chat with? Yes. Oprah. I really want to sit down and talk to Oprah. Like just, yeah, I would love to talk to Oprah. I would love, I would love to talk to Tony Robbins after seeing him here. Yeah. And just like what motivates him. Um, I'd have to sit down with J-Lo. Like, how do you do it all? <laughs> Honestly, I need to know. And Beyonce. I met J-Lo once. You did. How was she? This is a bizarre story. Okay. But this I will, is exciting. I will break it down for you. Uh, it was the summer after I graduated high school and... I was still renting DVDs, right? Like that's something you do. So there was a blockbuster in my neighborhood in North Vancouver. And so I woke up one day, it was like a Tuesday or Wednesday. And I woke up and was like, oh, I got to return these. Um, I'll just do it now and then I'll get get on with my day. So I don't even think I showered. I think I just like put on some like gross teenage boy, just like threw on some sweatpants and like headed out the door. (laughs) And um, went to, again, this is such a bizarre story. I don't know if anyone's going to believe it, but... Went to my Blockbuster video, and right beside it is the Lionsgate Studio um, yes. yeah. complex, Lionsgate, yeah. right? Yeah. So so I go to Blockbuster video, and I, I I put the DVDs in the little slot, and then I'm like, ah, I should just get something, and whatever, I'll figure it out. So I go in, I pick out something, and uh, this was the summer of uh, Geely. Like, it hadn't been released yes. yet, okay. but this was, like, about to come out. People were really excited, really amped, and the... And the J-Lo and Ben Affleck were basically the biggest stars this was in the world. Benifer. Yeah. The Benifer era. They were huge. <laughs> so I'm I'm at the till and I'm paying for the 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 rentals. And the 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 girl that was working the till like is like, oh my God, did you see Ben and Jen? And I'm like, what is Ben and Jen? Oh. And no. she's like, you need to turn around. And I looked and I turned around. And they are perusing the aisles of the Blockbuster video in, in North, my neighborhood. In North Vancouver. Yes. Oh, And they're my. just being, like, super random. And he's tall. He's yeah. super tall. She was a lot shorter than I imagined. But um, not that that matters, but I'm giving perspective yeah, I, here. I need the whole picture. And um, and I'm sitting there. I'm looking like a slob. But I'm just like, I'm never going to see these people ever again. So I'm just going to go up to them and say hello. And it was funny because you had a crowd of people that was kind of like following them. Yeah. Right? Like no one was say- saying hello. Because they were huge. They were massive. Oh my god. And gosh. I was like, I'm just going to regret if I don't say yeah. anything. And this was before, you know, we all had cameras on our phone and anything like that. But I just went up to them and was like, I'm so sorry to interrupt. I just want to say like, I live in this neighborhood and it's so cool that you guys are here. Um... I've I've watched basically all your movies, which was like sort of true. Um, but I was like, yeah, I've seen all your movies, and um, I really hope you're enjoying North Van. Like that was just kind of my pitch. I didn't yeah. want to be annoying. Um, and Ben Affleck was a very nice man. He was like, oh, you live here? This is like a great place to live. Like we're really enjoying our time. And um, I mean, we chatted for maybe two or three minutes. Yeah. J Lo did not say a word. She didn't. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> she was giving me the stink eye. I'm pretty sure the whole time. Oh no! Uh, but he was he was extremely nice and very complimentary about North Vancouver yeah. and just the the neighborhood in general. And um, yeah, I mean, he even said he said, "Oh, you grew up here? Like you're so lucky. Like this is such a great place." And so. It was an interesting experience, but I remember wow. walking out of that, being like, "Did that? Did that D- just did happen?" That just happen? <laughs> I think the problem with Ben Affleck that was the problem was that he was getting a little too friendly with everyone in Vancouver. Remember? Maybe. Yeah, that and was... he lived here after yeah. after that as yes. well. There was with like for Garner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's unreal. So, do I take her off my list? No, I. I she's no, on you my keep list. her on. Yeah, yeah. You, you'll break through that. Um, 
ice queen facade. <laughs> You'll figure it out. <laughs> um, what, what sort of people like you? you so you've said Oprah, mm-hmm. and obviously I have great respect for Oprah because she is also a curator, right? Yeah. Like when you're when when you're watching her show, or when you were watching the, her show. Um, it's not just the Oprah show and it's just Oprah talking all the time. She's bringing in interesting people. Yeah. So you learn about like Brene Brown from her. You learn about Dr. Phil. Or yeah. I mean, maybe not the best example, but no, other people but, that yeah, she's bringing exactly, in. Exactly, yeah. And she's Was she very... a Dr. Oz? She is Dr. Oz too? Or I no? Think, is, uh, is he separate? There's a lot of doctors. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so she's amazing. Um, and it would be interesting to talk to someone like that. So, and again, Similarly, for me to talk to you, because you've talked to all these other people, and not on an Oprah scale, I'll be honest, (laughs) but very similar idea, right? Um, But is there someone, or it's not someone, um, is there a certain type of person that you really enjoy interviewing? Like, Uh, what makes for a good interview? For me, I think it's anyone that is trying to do something, working hard towards it, and then achieved it. I want to know how you got there. Yeah. I want to know how you're making it happen. I, I love those stories. That's why it's just like I I'm fascinated with people that are really uber motivated and that are making things happen and like trying to help their communities. And I guess it's just the uh, the how did you get there? Yeah. Like I, I would love a show that was just that. Like, how did you get there? Walk us through like you. How did you start and how are you where you're at right now? Because mm-hmm. I think everyone's story is so unique and so interesting. And you don't know that this person worked three jobs or, yeah. you know, borrowed money from grandpa or like whatever it might be. It's like I find each of those stories so intriguing. Yeah, totally. I guess I'm I'm similar. Like, I mean, I've been blessed that I've had some really great people on the show already. Entrepreneurs, politicians, comedians, media personalities. But for me, I just love people that are super genuine. Yeah. Right? And it it doesn't mean that the episode has to be heavy or anything like that, but they're just not going for the soundbite. They're going for like a a real conversation and they're wearing it on their sleeve and it it comes out in this like authentic way. Yeah. Um, And I think that's what makes long form talk radio style podcasting this medium not my show but i'm thinking about like dax shepherd or joe no i'm thinking about your show (laughs) (laughs) please do (laughs) please tell all your friends too um but i think that's what makes the medium so successful because in spite of the fact that our media consumption in general has a shorter and shorter attention span oh my gosh there is something about listening to a long-form conversation that is authentic or when people are sharing themselves, similarly to reading a good book, right? Yeah. Like there's something really um, satiating or um, valuable in that. And especially when someone is sharing their journey of how they got to where they are, as you just mentioned, and they tell you all the stuff that you don't see. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, okay, now I get that you're the owner of this amazing company, but what was the blood, sweat, and tears that got you there? Yeah. What were the moments that you thought, I I can't, I'm just going to pack it in. And then the next day you're like, no, screw that. I'm going to go for it. Like, what were those moments? Those are the moments that I want to know about. And I think that's why for me, I've always liked Oprah because she was another one of those faces on TV that wasn't this cookie cutter, Mm -hmm. that was just genuinely her. Like she was just, this is me. And 
we all connected with that. Not, you know, like black, white, whatever. Like we all connected with this woman because she gave a damn. She yeah. cared and she was trying to make the world a better place. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that's what we connected with this hope that, hey, we're all good people, right? Like we are, even though we see all this nasty stuff and what's going on in the world. <laughs> like deep down, we all are like good, caring humans that would put a hand out if someone needed it. Mm-hmm. So, And what's incredible about Oprah is that, you know, when her show started, it was a little trashy. Like, they had its, oh, yeah. like, trashy yeah. moments. and The Ku Klux Klan, like, yeah, people, it was thing, sensationalized. Like, screaming at each other. Exactly. Yeah. But using that format, growing that, she was able to get her foothold into something and, and providing something that was way more meaningful mm-hmm. in the end. I mean, she, again, she probably took that opportunity of, okay, we need to do this, and yeah. built that audience, and then was able, once she was able to um, leverage her own... Uh, passion or intent or, or, yeah. or what she saw of the show, she was able to take it to this incredible height. Yeah. And I think that it also got so much more polished. Like in the beginning, it was just so <laughs> budget the way everything was done. And yeah. then it just became such a better polished medium that, yeah. that, you know, the stories that she told just seemed that much more, had that much more impact. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and I think you're right to attribute that success to her because yeah. she does come off as this very authentic yeah. person. And she is... And as I should say, sorry, she was like no one you had really seen on TV. She had broken no. that mold, yeah. right? She was not this supermodel. What I mean, she's a great looking lady, but yeah. but just not in that totally. same mold, right? Yeah, and opened up so many so many doors for so many people. I think, yeah, definitely. Um, would would it be safe to say that she's your role model, or do you have any other role models, perhaps um, maybe more I, personal role models? Yeah, I, I would put her up there because I think she really like was an inspiration to me as far as television and broadcasting. Yeah, um, I got to put my mom up there, of course, because that lady worked. Her it sounds like butt it. off, like worked so hard. <laughs> Four kids, dinner on the table, everything always done, you know, and and still, like I said, like working out, entertaining. I don't even know how she did all of it. I really don't know, Uh, but she did. And I'm so thankful for that. I have to put my sisters in there too. My two older sisters. Yeah. They have always been great role models. My one sister is the one that like pushed me into, you have to go for radio. You have to. Like this, this is, this is your, this is your calling. Yeah. Gave me that, you know, the little bump that you need, that little kind of push because sometimes we don't have the confidence to do certain things even if you're a really highly motivated person you might just not have the confidence but totally uh, it's so so important to have great people around you yeah i i love that you cited your family because i i mean i would you know i could easily cite uh famous celebrities as role models or, or whatever um but who would I, you pick well well before i get to that i would say i i would Put both of my parents yeah. in there because yeah. if, if we're thinking about that word role model and who I model my life after, um, I've been very blessed. And um, my mom was the same way, where she, you know, ran the house but also worked and um, also worked out. She used to do aerobics all the time, and like <laughs> uh, she had all the machines and the step and all that other stuff. Um, and then my dad is the same way, you know, worked worked his butt off and um, any. Thing, any attributes that I have that I think are positive, I've picked up from both of them. Yeah. That's... So when we're talking about role models, it's like, oh, that it's an easy choice. I got to throw my dad in there too. <laughs> Can I please do that? Because yeah, he was the type that, like, back in the day, dads didn't cook, change diapers, yeah, do all same, of that. Yeah, same with my dad. But yeah. he did. Oh. He did do, 
like 50% of the cooking. Yeah. He did do 50% of the, the taking care of us and doing everything. He was just like such a progressive, I guess having three daughters, you would kind of have to be. Right. And he had two sisters, no brothers. And so he was very progressive. Like yeah. he always said to us, you can do whatever you want. Whatever you want to do, you put your mind to it and you can do it. Love it. And we heard that from just a very young age. Yeah. That's he, so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. your whole family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's just do family. Yeah. And Oprah. <laughs> yeah, and Oprah. So celebrities, I I don't know. I mean, there's celebrities that I, that I love and adore. I don't know if I can put any of them in, yeah. in my role model list. I think, you know, you kind of look at everyone now as we get older is everyone's just human and trying to do the best that they yeah. can do. And so you don't really want to put people on, up on that pedestal because, hey, everyone makes mis- mixed mistakes and, and screws up. So let's just all kind of be on one even level. Totally. Field, right. One, one thing that I do want to bring up, um, since we are talking about role models and we're talking about radio, um, my mom, from a very young age, wanted me to speak very articulately. Articulately, that yeah. was like her thing. It was like when you speak, yeah, you know, you have to present yourself in a good way. So she was very keen on showing me how speakers were effective. And she was not trained in linguistics That's or so communication cool. or anything, but she would look at a speaker and say, "Do you see how that person says this?" Or do you see how you know in a debate this person this is their style? And I had that Im- imprinted on in a very young age. And and I think that's also why I'm hyper self-aware when I hear myself on this podcast, because I'm like, I'm making all these mistakes. But, um, but I've, I, I mean, if I do sound nice on the, on this podcast, it's because I picked up certain that's things so at a cool. young age. Yeah. Um, and just, she made me very self-aware, not, not just self-aware, I should say aware of how you sound. Yeah. And, if you speak too fast, you know, how does that come off? Or yes. if you're speaking too slowly or if you're not speaking with enough energy, how does that sound? And just things that I don't know if most people are aware of that. Like, because you see people who communicate and you wonder, like, do they know that they're coming off? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they probably don't. Yeah. Um, I never, you know what? I never got any sort of coaching from my parents on that level. That's okay. so cool that your mom did that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I remember uh, that... My parents were just kind of like, oh, cool. Now you're going to do the radio thing. Okay, that's awesome. Oh, now you're on. Like they were just kind of very supportive and always. I mean, I know when my when I first started BT, my dad breakfast television, my dad would tape the episodes and I didn't know (laughs) that he was doing this. And then there was like this giant box in the garage and it was like December 13th. Like it was all these dated dates of our show, our whole show. He would be taping it. Yeah. Love it. I know. And he probably still has all the oh, tapes. Oh, he has them. He just has fine a VCR, yeah, just like never. the cassettes. <laughs> They'll never be seen again, which is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just going to wrap up here. But um, one thing I do want to talk about is that you had a fun, wonderful project called Letters to a Younger Me, where yourself and, and celebrities hold up a short message that they would share with their younger self, but I want it from the source. Aww. What's some advice that you would tell your younger self? Thank you, first of all, because I just, that that project I hold so dear to it's my so cool. heart. And I, just, I love it. I love you for even bringing it up. Um, for, I think, advice for myself, because it all started with when, when Maya was born, when my daughter was born, mm-hmm. I was looking at her going, 
I don't want this little nugget to to go through half the stupid crap that I've had to go through, stupid mistakes. I know that we all have to go through things, yeah. but you know, you just want to protect them when you see them. And, and that's kind of where my headspace was. And I thought, what, what if I reach out to a bunch of different people mm-hmm. that I look up to, these strong women that I look out, up to, reach out to them and ask them for their advice that they would give their younger self. Yeah. And then I thought, wait, why is it just women? There's been so many great men in my life too that sure. like, let's reach out to them as well. And so that's kind of where it started from yeah. and people responded and wanted to answer and I was now I want to put it in a book this is my goal you should. I really want this to be like a nice coffee table book and I want to reach out to all people from all different walks of life yeah. not just celebrities but like all people from you know every different industry and um, so anyway back to what mine would be <laughs> I think I think mine would be to first of all everything's going to be okay <laughs> it, it, it's all going to be okay and not to worry so much and not to sweat the small stuff. Yeah. And also to listen to your gut is like number one because you know when that guy or that relationship or whatever is wrong. Mm-hmm. You know it is and you're just not listening to the gut and you you really just have to like look inside and take a moment to breathe and really assess the situation. And yeah, I think it would be just to believe in yourself and, and the, all the answers are going to come from within. So you just have to really be in tune with them. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd also say save your money. Stop <laughs> spending money on shoes, Karen. <laughs> Stop spending money on that avocado toast every week. <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh. But yeah, just to just to believe in yourself, go with your gut. Yeah. And and never ever give up. If if it's something that you want, you got to go for it. Yeah. Again, incredible advice from the queen herself. <laughs> I I love that. And um I was having this conversation the other day with someone about how in my 30s, what would I tell myself in my 20s? And yeah. it would be pretty much the first thing you just said is like, all the stuff that you're worrying about right now doesn't matter. It doesn't. Right? Yeah. And I almost, so we, we were talking about this and I, and I almost thought like, am I going to say the same thing? Is, is my 40-year-old self going to say yes. the same thing to my 30-year-old Honestly, self? Honestly, <laughs> because, you know, we make the biggest deals out of things. And I think it's because we just get so caught up and so yeah. like laser focused on one name or one person or one situation. Like your job, like your boss is really pissing you off. And that's mm-hmm. just like all you're going to think about. But it's I think as soon as you like shift your focus, you have so much power. It's just, it, it's all just our own power. It's not asking every friend and sitting on the phone. Well, no one's on the phone, but texting about it all yeah. day long. It's like emailing just... every radio DJ in town for advice. <laughs> I still love that. Yeah, you still got. You were the out... only one I emailed. No, and you still clear. you still have to work out your issues, right? Like, I mean, we're not robots. We're humans. Totally. But but I think it's sometimes like, say, if you're in a bad relationship, yeah. or if you're you know with a friend relationship, romantic relationship, whatever it might be, and you know that it's toxic, and you know that this is not a right person to be in your life but you just continue on with it right and it's like no you you at some point have to get up and say no I'm not dealing with this. This is not good for my soul. And and it's even saying no to different situations. I always felt like if I said no, someone they're going to think that I'm like a bad person. It's like stop worrying about what other people are thinking about you. You have to just worry about yourself. Yeah. You know you're a good person, so that's all you have to worry about. Mm-hmm. I I love all of that. I think it's very great <laughs> advice. And and I would also add um and not that I'm as uh, wise as you are, but I would also add a compassion, just having a little self-compassion for yourself. Yeah. We're all way too hard on ourselves. Totally. And I think once you kind of let that go about being hypercritical or, or even if you made a mistake thinking that you're 
you know, the worst person ever yeah. uh, or that you don't deserve something. Uh, once you let that go, man, that's that's really freeing. Totally. And I think, you know, it's the way that we deal with each other as a society. It's like, you know, you, you might see someone and be like, why is that person freaking out or why is she being such a bitch? But it's like, <laughs> or why is he being such an ass or whatever it yeah. might be. But where what's going on in their life yeah you know you got to cut people a little slack and not take it so seriously and go maybe they're just having a really bad day let's just you know try to move on with it and I think sometimes it's easy to get so caught up in situations and and then we realize like 10 years down the road that that didn't matter and that person is not even you know like I just I think we have to just kind of why did I waste so much time thinking about it that way right yeah yeah. yeah, which it's just human nature to dissect things and, and overanalyze them and, and go off about them forever. But yeah, I think I think we have to kind of shift the focus a little bit. Totally. And also go on that trip because travel is amazing. <laughs> That's my last one. I promise. Do you have any trips coming up? Uh, no, you know what? Uh, Italy. Yes, oh, I do. Nice. Yeah, Italy next summer. I've never been, cool. but I'm so excited. Um, so yeah, that's coming up. Nice. I'm going to... Tulum in a couple weeks. Oh, I've been, I'm and it's really amazing. Is it? The food is unreal. The beaches, the oh, people. It's been on my radar for a while. Yeah, it it mm. is heavenly. It's like its own little world. Really? Yeah, Tulum is gorgeous. <laughs> we actually wanted to go back again, but we thought we have to do something different. Okay. Yeah, there's so many places to hit. That no, totally. Yeah, that's actually. So I I had vacation time this year, and I was originally going to go to Bali again, but oh, I nice. I'd just been there like a couple like two years ago, and I was yeah. like, no, no, maybe. And then I was like, oh, well, you know, Tulum's got yoga. Yes. <laughs> it's so magical. And I've heard the beach is amazing. So. The beach is amazing. There's, oh, it's, it's just one of the most magical places. And the people are so nice. The food, the beach is just gorgeous. White sand. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited. You'll love it. I'll, I'll email you a, a photo. Yes. I'll, I'll give you some uh, tips on some places. Oh, please okay. do. I, I'd appreciate that. Um, as we wrap up here, you've given advice to our listeners. You've given advice to potential uh, radio broadcasters. You've given advice to your younger self. Do you have any, uh, let's bring this full circle. Do you have any advice for me? For you? Yeah, just in general or about the show or general dating advice. I'll take that too. Okay, I think for you, don't change a damn thing. I love your passion. (laughs) I love how you, you, it's so amazing because I've, I couldn't believe how organized you were and the research that you do. And you are just like so for real in your research. I can't believe how much you knew about my my work and my history. Like that that blew my mind. Like this has been an absolute <laughs> pleasure. And it wasn't and, creepy. Oh, gosh. No. Okay, good. No, you couldn't be creepy if you tried. Um, no, I just think that, that don't ever lose your spirit because you are just one in a million billion and you yeah don't lose your spirit don't lose your passion don't lose your positive attitude because we need more people like you oh my god what a gift thank you so much that means so much to me that's very sweet of no, you to say i really appreciate that yeah i've i've had such i could talk to you for like days yeah so <laughs> well we'll have to do it again i would love that we should do a show where i just uh bring you my problems okay and you just give me advice I don't and think not, you have any problems no they're no major problems but i'll just give you you know we'll we'll i'll just talk about stuff that's going on yeah for, and looking for your advice and you just give me your advice for an hour okay let's do a call-in show an advice call-in <laughs> show i'd be all about that <laughs> i love it well, well, uh, Karen Kay, you're on Fox weekday mornings, Saturday mornings, and you're here. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. I Th- really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Mo. I had so much fun, and you are amazing. So thank you for having me. Thank you. Listeners, she is beautiful, hardworking, genuine, iconic. She's the queen, Karen Kay. 
And I'm Mo Amir telling you that in a city where you can be anything, be colorful. Peace.